Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, I-265, iHeartRadio. We have one of the greatest comedy legends of all time joining me here on the show here today, TK Kirkland. TK Kirkland, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? Hey, listen, I've been so busy since like five this morning. So I'm just like, I almost forgot. I was about to walk to the bank. That's one of my greatest things I like to do is um, making a deposit. It's one of the best feelings in the world, isn't it? Yes, it is. I love putting money in the bank. So that's my thing. So as soon as I'm done with this interview, I'm going to do a little Gucci shopping for my kids and then um, go get something to eat and, and just enjoy the rest of the day. That's amazing. And just your birthday's a few days away. Birthdays were yeah, the worst be, days. Now um, we sip champagne when we Do you have any plans? How you plan on celebrating it? You know, you know what? Every day is a beautiful day. Every day is my birthday. You know, I'm just, I want y'all to see my view real quick. I'm up in Portland, but traveling the world. Get me to go to London. So this is my wow, my view up here at the Ritz Carlton. Beautiful just enjoying view. life. You know, huh? It's a beautiful view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to, you know, so every day is my birthday, family. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in relating it to the verse with Biggie Smalls, birthdays were the worst days. Now we ship champagne when we thirsty. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, God bless. Shout out to Biggie Smalls. Did you ever have a chance to meet Biggie throughout your time? Because I know you've toured with pretty much everyone. Yeah, Biggie and I was real close. Biggie, um, Lil C's, all that. So, yeah, know him very well. Rest in know peace. Him very well. Tone Loke at the L.A. Coliseum. That was something that really kick-started your career. Yeah, God bless Tone Loke. Yeah, Tone, Tone is the one who got me to host that event with Nelson Mandela. Because me and Tone Loke used to be close back in the day. Tone Loke, if you ever get a chance to see this interview, shout out to you. I hope you and your family are doing well. Shout out to him. Wild Thing. Funky Cold Medina. He's got some classic yep. tracks. Yeah, so true. He was good. He's a good. Tone Loke was a good guy, yo. Like, it's amazing they don't talk about him that much in hip-hop. But he was... He had his moment, you know? Absolutely. As they say, he had his 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> <laughs> MC Hammer, NWA, Patti LaBelle, The Whispers. Yeah, Dude. Madonna, um, Gerald LeVert, God bless Gerald LeVert. Um, yeah, C.C. Uh, Peniston. I mean, I, I go, I did it all with everybody, man. R. Kelly. You know, uh, I've got this group over in London. They, um, it's a song called Slow Down. Slow down, because slow. It was some group out of London that used to be, and the guy that used to do the song called I, I, "You Don't Have to Take Your Clothes Off" to to be in whatever song. Hell, he's deceased now, but me and him was close. I toured with him. Yeah, God bless him. Yeah, so a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people. I know we we have a couple topics that we want to get into here today because I know you want to split this up into two segments because you're actually I'm from Connecticut and you're coming to Connecticut in June, June 10th, June 4th and June 10th. Yeah, where am the Stress I Factory where? and Funny Bone. No, I did the Stress Factory already, but I think I'm doing the, the Funny Bone. Funny Bone, yep, June 10th. Yeah, do the Funny Bone, right? Yep, I'm doing the Funny Bone, and I'm excited about that place. Oh my God, I love, I love the Funny Bone in Connecticut, boy. They come out, they come out <laughs> to see your brother. Oh my God, I love it. What's your favorite place to travel when you do go to do any comedy clubs? I like everywhere I go that I get a check. <laughs> <laughs> Every place is good. Like I told you, this lifestyle is amazing. And see, it's good to see the young comics who we pay the way for to um, to make a living out of this and um, to to strive for something. Because this this 
if you do this thing right, this can this can change your life. You know, a lot of comics don't have um, a hustle in them. A lot of comics are lazy. A lot of comics don't have a lot of ambition. And I, I think that's something that you got to be born with. So some people got, they need an agent. They need a business manager. They need a manager to guide them. And I'm all those things in one. So I'm, I'm truly blessed to, um, to grew up in the streets of Harlem and Jersey City, New Jersey. Met some of the greatest hustlers in the world in this life. And all that. And then my mother and father, who, God bless, they're deceased. But it's, it's in my DNA. It comes from sports. It comes from um, just want to be a winner. So I'm, I'm just a winner. So I, I really take pride in that. And I see it in my kids. So I know it's my genes that's dominating their mothers. So I'm, I'm cool with it. Definitely. And, and, and God bless and rest in peace to your parents. I heard about your brother was also murdered by the police. My condolences with that. I know you're not yes. picking, I'm speaking out about politics, but do you have feelings since because your, your brother was murdered by the police about social injustices that go around the world? It's, it's, it's fucked up. But um, what I do is um, try to keep my head clear. Cause, you know, I've had little run-ins with the police and all that. And um just keep it moving because it happened so long ago in 1995. And I believe that a lot of us can avoid um, troubles with the police if you stay out the way. So I stay out the way. I stay out the way from crazy women. I stay out the way from homies. I stay out the way from the police. Um, and if you can avoid those things, you pretty much can have a, a, a quiet and decent life because what happens is the people close to you, the people who get you, right? Mm-hmm. So... I stay out the way. And that's the best thing to do. And actually mm-hmm. speaking about being at a young age, you were picked to go to Rahway for a scared straight program. Yeah. You've been doing your research. Mm-hmm. I like you. Yo. Yeah. Um, when I was young, the, the scared straight program had just started. And not that I wasn't a bad kid, believe no. it. Or not. I start fucking up till I got into my twenties. It's just that, um, they had this program, it was called Scare Straight. And I went to Rollway State Prison and a group of other kids. And it was a horrible experience. And I left. But unfortunately, when I went to college, I, I went through something. But when I sit back, talk to you now, look at this beautiful view and put my feet up and how amazing my life is, it was really meant, the universe really meant for me to go through all that. And the reason why I had to go through all those trials and tribulations is so that I was be able to teach other people or what not to do because you can't teach nobody nothing if you ain't been through nothing right Mm -hmm. so by me going through all these things in life have made me um a quote-unquote a Nostradamus a a man whose um vision and who words when I speak people really take it seriously because it's dealt with um honesty it dealt is dealt with conviction when i talk to you guys and you could tell that it's uh, i'm pure and honest about things that i say so that's important to me i read that arizona, arizona state, state that's where you got that's where you got your bachelor's from and you actually started out doing comedy skits there yeah i got booed a couple of times but i wasn't really trying to beat it it was just something i was playing around with and boom i go to la um, I meet Keenan Ivy Wayans. Keenan Ivy Wayans introduces me to Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy. And I always turned the negative to a positive. A little situation happened. I'm quite sure you know if you, if you did your homework. I try not to talk about it too much. And that situation propelled me into doing stand-up comedy. And the rest is history. And I got good at this thing called comedy. 
But I always try to tell people I'm not a comedian. Like, I'm not a comic. I'm a businessman. Comedy happens to be my side hustle. That's why you don't really see my pictures in too many comedy clubs. and Because I don't really care. Like, everybody, it's to their head to be a celeb. They, they take it too soon. They got to walk with bodyguards. They have to... I don't really care. I, I stay low-key. I'm very successful. I don't have to wear a lot of jewelry. Even though I floss. You know, I floss, you know, but I floss certain times a year. Oh, you know, my philosophy is stay low-key and then you flex occasionally. So maybe two, three, four times a year I flex, you know, mm-hmm. and then boom, I go back to being a, a normal person. I don't try to walk around with an entourage or five, seven men deep or security, you know, because I'm a dangerous person myself, you know, so... um I stay to myself so I don't hurt nobody or I don't get hurt or even have confrontation. So even at my comedy shows, if I throw you out, I'm really doing it for the people who pay for the tickets. And I'm really doing it for me as well, because I've been in front of a judge. I've been in handcuffs. I've been dealing with attorneys in life, but I don't like that feeling. I don't ever want to experience it again. So I get rid of people immediately before the situation escalates to a bad situation. So. You brought up flossing before. There are times that you do floss, but not too much. Do you think it's important for the youth to take advice from people like you to not do it too much? Because look at what happened with a rapper such as Pop Smoke. He was killed for his Rolex. Yes. I think all the young kids today got to stay on social media and try to show the world what you got. Nobody gives a fuck. All you're doing is putting yourself in a bad situation for someone to get you. And you, as you see, the uh, your age group, Every day we wake up, it's a rapper dying, whether it's over a female or over some money, over some jewelry, things that don't have no value whatsoever, right? Jewelry don't have no value because guess what? You buy a Rolex a day, a Cartier, a big diamond necklace, I promise you, in two to three years, you're not going to like it. You're going to be and just waste the money. You, I swear to you, you're not going to like it. It's just like the car. You buy a car unless you truly take care of it. They're not going to like that car. So um, we got to get out there where we have shows like podcasts, like this show and, and you're doing your thing. And this is what helps me. This is what really made my career. And I knew it in the nineties that it was going to be young people who were going to help me get to the success that I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Because all we had back then was Arsenio Hall, certain radio stations. We didn't have, these social media platforms, Instagram, um, podcast people. So now that um, I'm old and you guys are doing your thing, the world is finding out about me, right? So I always call the other comics, even though they're decent, um, they got the opportunity way before me, but everybody's trying, are finding out now who really is the guy that you have to go see and stand up. And that's, I'm not trying to say I want to be the best. I just want to be in conversation that when they talk about great comedians they talk about t to the motherfucker tk kirkland and they do deal hugley chris rock and we're gonna get into chris rock in a little bit but these guys always mm-hmm. show their praise when they see you yes they do they always show mad love because they all know the truth you know we all came up together and they seen how i used to, i'm talking about destroy rooms not the he he giggle i'm talking about destroy to the point when i used to walk in the buildings comedians used to be um, complaining to the mo- promoters that I'm going on after TK Kirkland. True story. True story, yo. And, it, you know, sometimes as we 
don't work together that much no more. The comics are really doing their thing. And every now and then they have a moment of um, they think they, the truth, and then I like to get on the show with them just to show who is really that guy. You know, just to sell you. But comics don't are not competitive like in the rap verses, right? Like we should we could have a comedic verse, but it's not the same. Most comedians wouldn't do it because the comedians don't want to be embarrassed. They don't have that grind like um the rappers do. You know, comedians will walk off the stage mad and upset. So they you know they they're not they're not built for that. So that's interesting. No. It's just interesting to see how comedy has changed over time. But you have your own technique because usually the, if there's a set that, that happens before you, you prefer that comedy, the comedian that's going on before you to not use profanity because when you go on, you want to introduce that into the room in a different setting. Right. It's two things. Sometimes if it's my show, that's what I do. If it's a yeah. TK Kirkwood show, you have to do it that way. If it's a promoter who booked that show and I can't control the comic, I could easily say because the headliner usually has the, the say-so on what kind of material wants a person to do, but a good comedian do his research, right? A good comedian. I'm talking about a good comedian. A good comedian will find out what the headliner is talking about because it's really about the headliner. And that person, you know what? The headliner talks about this. I'm not going to do this in my act so that person can do what he needs to do. If I know a comic might talk about some of the topics that I talk about, I watch those comedians because I have the ability to delete things out of my act and still be funny so that when I go on, it doesn't look like I'm repeating the same thing that person is talking about. Mm. So that's what I do as a comedian. I I don't want to repeat the same thing. No. And when when you get off the stage, you don't use profanity. Yeah. I don't curse at all when I'm off stage. Like that's just, just my thing. You know, when I'm on stage, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. But when I come off, you know, I'm uh, I'm a total gentleman. I like being a gentleman. I like being shivery to ladies. I like sending women bottles of champagne. I like opening the door. I like giving women flowers. I like taking them shopping. I, I like doing all that. That's what I try to do. I know you're not big into politics, but back in the day, you did help raise money for Maxine Waters. Yeah, you've done your research. I love you, Doug. Thank yep, you, man. Maxine. I appreciate it. Yeah, me and Maxine go way back. A lot of people don't understand my, I've, I've done it all, yo. Like, Raised a lot of money for Maxine in Los Angeles, California, back in the day. Um, me and Johnny Cochran used to be good friends. And Johnny Cochran was um, a guy who we went to the same barbershop when I was in college. Wow. And, and Johnny Cochran was called Terrell's 2 on the Brea Avenue. So yeah, anybody ever watched this and you ever know anybody that went to Terrell's 2, a lot of um, great people went there. And Johnny Cochran was one of the guys there. What would you say, like, in the beginning of your career, because we know with the legendary tours that you've done, we'll get into some of them, but when would you say that you found your rapport with your audience and what you established yourself on a stage? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think after four or five years, I think what changed me was when I toured with NWA. NWA model was being a reporter of the streets. So I report what I see. And I just put a little twist on it. And a lot of comics are kind of a bit in that style. You know, like you got the show Underwoods, the Samoras, the Corey Holcombs, the Cat Williams. I was doing all that kind of comedy way before they were. And Bob Sumner and Tina Graham, when they did Def Jam, I was the first person they called to do Def Jam because Def Jam was centered around my style of comedy. Nobody was talking 
the way I was talking back then. Nobody. So um, let's see how everybody's doing it now. Like it's normal. Like I started that because of NWA, even the way we dress with the baseball caps and the, the T-shirts. I created all that on stage as well. It's just unfortunate in the world that we live in today. People don't believe you, but if I had gray hair, I was fragile, and I looked like Dick Gregory. I was about to die. You know what? People believe me, but I took care of my body. I, I took care of my health. I'm getting. I'm going to rest today, but tomorrow I'll go out here and do six, seven miles and work out and watch the game and eat my fruit, have my oatmeal in the morning, and, and I'll probably go get a massage. You know. So you know, years ago, I probably have a woman laid up here with me but i gotta stay focused for the next couple of months because i got a lot of stuff going on around the world not just the city around the world so it's cool that's big time and i i do know that you sometimes with your workout routines that you, you'll switch it up you'll take breaks from weightlifting just to rest your body yeah you gotta rest your body as that's so important and i'm older right so i'm in my 60s so um you can't go hard all the time so i'll do a, like a nice week or something and then instead of lifting weights i'll just walk and do pretty much really 10 to 11 miles a day. So I try to average 40 to 50 miles a week in walking. Yeah. You know, you're a true inspiration because uh, there's a lot of people, no, because there's a lot of people out there, especially that, that are in the older demographic that may not start working out until they're at the, at the bold age of what you'd say, like a 40 or a 50 and you could change right. your lives doing that. Yes. Yeah. I, I eat, try to eat good and, I took care of no medication, no high blood pressure. You know, I think I got a little stress, but I think it's a nice stress. Like, um, I'm not paranoid. I'm not depressed. I just got so much to do. So I've been up since five. Um, did some um, things with um, stock market, real estate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm deep into the gasoline business. Made a lot of money today um, in the gasoline world. So sitting here looking at the view. I'm coming back later, smoke a cigar, have a little cognac and shit you know i'm, I'm good y'all good tea to the motherfucking game <laughs> now when you were opening up for nwa do you remember these performances when nwa was performing f the police do you remember these concerts getting shut down because then you hear these rumors that that didn't happen the way that it was portrayed in the movie straight out of compton do you do you remember any of these things occurring yeah it happened oh it yeah. definitely happened that way what they left out though was when I got banned on tour with NWA, but it wasn't about the NWA show wasn't about TK Kirk. It was really about NWA, but it really been nice if I had to give my interview on NWA as a comedian, it would talk about a stand-up comic who rocked the crowd of 30,000 people every night at a rap concert to the point that Believe it or not, I was on tour with NWA and I got banned on tour with NWA. Nobody never really heard that story. But in 1988, we was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I got banned. They banned me for three cities on the tour. They thought I was worse than NWA. Wow. Yeah, crazy. I got to start talking about that more because that's true. That truly happened. I got banned on tour with NWA. That's insane. What was your, because I know you were close to NWA. You gave a, a rest in peace post to Easy. e What was your relationship with Easy? e And do you remember the last time that you spoke with him? Well, me and Easy e and there's another, I talked about this last time I'm going to share with you tonight too. Me, Easy, and Jerry Heller was getting ready to start Ruthless Comedy when he died. Wow. And it was, oh man, when Easy died, it hurt me, boy. 
because we was going to take that Rufus comedy to a whole another level. TV, movies, um, concert. It was going to be like, you know, Def Jam. But, you know, we was going to be ruthless. You know, it was going to be something else. It was going to be ruthless. I'm excited to even that even coming out of my mouth because it was truly a vision. It was a dream that I really wish could have happened. You know, and believe it or not, I try to really do it with other rappers. I try to do it with 50. Um, it was called Jesus of Comedy. But his manager, Chris Lighty, really took a long time. And Chris Lighty didn't really understand um, what I meant. Your um, vision. I was going to do yeah, I was going to do it with Baby, but Baby was really focused on the Cash Money Millionaires. And there was really no other people because I needed a co-signer. In this, in this hip-hop world, you need a co-signer to take you to another level. It's like how when Dr. Dre got Eminem and Eminem blew up. Eminem would have never blew up without Dr. Dre. No. Then, and then you got Dr. Dre and Eminem blowing up 50 Cent. Do you feel me? That's called a co-signer. That really started in the 1960s and when um, Motown Barry Gordy brought an artist out, a group called the Jackson Five. But to give them credibility, what he did was on the, the Jackson Five first album, he put Diana Ross presents the Jackson Five and the rest is history. And I remember all this stuff, yo, from 1968. Like, and I apply that. So, you know, I got my own record label. Um, a lot of people don't know about. I stay low-key about that, but doing really well. Got my own production company. Um, and I put specials out. People will always want me to do Netflix, but I always tell people I am what Nipsey Hussle and Young Dolph and other independent rappers are doing. I was doing that. I did that my whole career. No manager, no agent. I do it all myself. And I'm out here winning. So I always say, and no disrespect to the rap, rapper, I mean, managers out there, but I always say, fuck the middleman. So, you know, I, I do everything myself. You're your own boss. I'm my own boss all the way around the board. Absolutely right. And just think about it. In, in 1995, you were Haitian Jack in Harlem throwing your own birthday party. And some people yes. in Brooklyn got hired and it ended up being Jay-Z and Dame Dash. And Jay-Z showed up late. Yep, sure did. He showed up late and... Um, that relationship went off really well. They took me on the hard knock life tour. I thought that was awesome. We had a great time. Um, then even on the Rough Rider tour, we, um, the Cash Money Millionaires, DMX, um, Eve was on that show. I was the host for that back in the day. Um, like I said, tour with Frankie Beverly and Maze. I, you know, I, it's been a great. I don't think no other. I don't think no other comedian can say they accomplished what I've accomplished. And like shows like this, like you have, gives me an opportunity to share to the world um, what I've accomplished. And it's, I really appreciate you um, looking out for me. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, you know, it, it means a lot for you to be here today and share these jewels and gems. And it, it's April 1st, April Fool's. You actually played a joke on one of your audiences in which you were announcing that Dr. Dre and Eminem were coming out to uh, one of your performances. When was you at to hear that? Was you in um, Portland? Me? No, no, no. I was in, um, I'm, I've been in Connecticut and in New York my whole life, but I, I did my research for the interview and I, and I heard about you doing that at one of your performances. Yeah. I'm, Cause believe it or not, I told somebody that story last night. Right. Wow. And let me tell the audience what happened. Um, when I came out, um, with the cash money millionaires, we was doing a show in New York and it was also a good thing. Cause I had just got out of Rikers Island. Like two weeks ago, I was in Rikers Island 
And to come out to get right on tour, oh, dog, that was what that, that shit. I went from a one man cell to a 25, 30,000-seater and did the whole tour, beat the case and everything. But during the show, I'm fucking with the audience and talking shit. But I'm telling them how I got friends. I said, listen, I got friends in this game, right? And I said, later on, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see, I got some friends in the background, some special guests that's going to come out. So imagine all these different artists is coming out. And the fans, you know, after an hour, the fans just love it because I'm talking shit. I'm fucking with people. They like, T to the motherfucker. So right before Cash Money comes on, I come back out. The crowd is enjoying me. I said, yo, I told you, because I've been saying it for an hour now, over an hour, that I got somebody in the back. So I said, yo, I told you motherfuckers fuck with me. I told you I've been doing this shit for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? But what they don't know I got the production team on it. I got the stadium in on it. They working with me all the way to the T. So as I get ready, I said, ladies and gentlemen, I told you, listen, my homies from all the way from LA, put your hands together for Dr. Dre and motherfucking Eminem. This is when they just came out. So they had a lot. Some shady LP days. Yeah, the shady episode. The crowd loses their mind like a nuclear motherfucking bomb you hear me the lights go down the music comes on you hear the music that uh, eminem and dr dre's don't talk about the crowd is losing and i walk off the stage like here they come i come back on stage i say psych and motherfuckers is mad but they laughing to the point right after that so listen put your hands together for the cash money millionaires it was done so well that baby even said to me behind stage, nigga, I really thought them niggas was here. Yo, that shit was so funny. It was so funny, yo. It was so funny. Oh, uh, the 1993 Soul Train Awards, too. That was where you performed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that um that was an interesting thing, 1993. Matter of fact, it was um me, Chris Tucker, and I forgot this other young man that um and and the reason why I'm glad you brought that up, because today a lot of comedians talk about how they can't do clean material and i always tell what i'm trying to tell comics now if you can't do clean material you're not a stand-up comic every comic should learn how to do a show and not use profanity it should be mandatory that you could know how to perform in a church it should be mandatory you now perform in a wedding it should be mandatory you know how to perform around children it should be mandatory that you know how to um, performing for a foundation because you never know who's going to hire you. No. So you want to be prepared. And if you're not prepared, you have left money on the table. You're not ready to be a stand-up comedian. No. And, and this is what you preach about, the difference between being a comedian and an MC. An MC is a master of ceremonies. You control the crowd. Right. right. You have to be a master of ceremony. You got to use personality. You got to keep the audience in check. You got to control the climate of the room. And sometimes you might have to do a little jokes, but if you don't think your jokes is working, you got to have the ability to know to keep the show moving and it's not working. I just happen to be blessed my whole life. Like I've been balling since day one on that mic. Absolutely. And doing it from the, from the TV and the stages that you do New Jersey drive, 1995, that was a film straight. Right. You played Rodney in that. Yes. And and what I was telling somebody last night, I said, I'm really, 
I don't audition for movies. All those no. parts. Bro. You're only Crazy. handed your roles. You want you yeah. go for what you're handed because you look at time as being the most important thing. Time is the most important thing in life, and I'm not going to audition for something that I have no control over being in. I don't want no one to pick me because you thought I was the right person. I really I control my own destiny. So to waste time to go to somebody and say, pick me, pick me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that guy. I, I just don't do that. So no. I don't do that. You remember working with Vin Diesel? How was that on the set of Strays? Vin Diesel was a wonderful gentleman. I, I, I hear about, crazy things about him now because I know success is going to his head. But to anybody trying to be successful, listen, it's all in your mind. Nobody really cares. Get the money. Take care of your family. Um, keep your cologne game up. Keep your sock game up. You know, if you got a woman, take care of your girl. You got kids, take care of your kids. Travel, um, work out, and really strive for um, peace and happiness. That's what I do. You know, I'm about to walk out here in a minute. No security, nothing. Now, if you recognize me, you recognize me. But I'm really going out here on some do 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 do. You know, really on some chill shit. So that's how I move. The Champagne Gang, can't forget about that. What is your favorite role that you've portrayed this far in film? I'm all about the business, so it's not the favorite role. Whoever gave me a check, trust me, that moment. Because my mother used to get mad at me. My mother used to see me on TV and all that. She was like, why you never told me that you was on the show? Like, I got the check already. I don't give a fuck. That's exactly the stuff. I don't curse at my mom, but I always say, you know, I don't care. So I just happened to do it. I got lucky got real lucky and um i'm thankful who raised you who raised you is right <laughs> that's tough right there and, and it was made into an album you can download it on music platforms yes and that's on my record label called pass the mic i um, got a new special coming out um the end of this year called t to the motherfucking k um i'm excited about it. it's gonna be off the chain and um just really working on some working on some good things i'm excited yeah DMX, when you were on that Rough Riders tour, I remember you just being, because we, we've heard the, the made men stories and the brawls with Rough Riders, but DMX, something that always amazed you was just the way he captivated his audiences. He was, he's truly, to this day, the greatest rapper I've ever seen on stage. And like I said, I seen him in concert when he was young and he could move the way he moved, like by himself, my man. He knew how to work the whole stage. He gave you... 250% of his life. Like he truly was phenomenal on that stage. And I'm glad that I happened to witness that. I mean, because back then you never knew, we didn't know that these guys was going to be who they were. I didn't no. know NWA were going to be who they are. I didn't know Jay-Z was going to go on to be who, who they are. I mean, from Luke to JT Money to um, Nelly and his crew down in St. Lunatics. Um, Lunatics, like all these people I opened up for. It got to a point that I was telling people, if I didn't open up for you, you ain't famous. You know, because everybody I was opening up for truly went on to be um, a big person. So, sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, went on to be a big person. So, um, truly excited, man. Truly excited to know I was part of all this. That's history right there, especially hip-hop and comedy history combined. Yes, sir. Is there a story that you have from being on tour with, with Nelly? Was this the Country Grammar era? Because Country Grammar yep. was my introduction to hip-hop. That was my first hip-hop right. album I ever heard. Yeah, Nelly was just really getting his start, and, and we rocked, and they loved me. And 
Um, his group loved me, like you know, Ludacris. Yeah, Ludacris and me. Ludacris toured. Shout out to Luda. Um, we toured a lot of cities, and when we got to um, Vegas, we couldn't find a promoter to pay me. And Luda shut the show down until we found the promoter, got paid, and then he went on. You know, and that, not that the promoter was hiding from me; I just couldn't find the motherfucker. So we, no, nothing was moving until I got my money. So got my money. Luda went on. Boom. The rest is history. Yeah. Another monumental moment was that when you were introducing 50 Cent on that Rough Riders tour. Mm-hmm. Back when he was with yeah, Columbia. Yeah, you doing your homework. Yeah, yeah. 50 you, um, got shot on that yeah. tour. And I, when he came up with Wangster, I think a year, two years later, I watched him. I said, I think I know this dude. I wasn't sure. And when I would go to certain tours, you know, you would think that the security people was the same because I worked with these guys on other tours because usually it's always the same security guys on the same tour. And these guys hated on me, yo. They wouldn't let me in. You know, you're supposed to be like, yo, that's TK. You know, you're supposed to show man love. They really gave me a hard time. Like they didn't really know a nigga or wouldn't give me a pass or none of that shit. And I was in Detroit with my kids, and um, I'm really standing outside like a regular fucking guy. I wish I could see these guys right now and tell them kiss my motherfucking ass. And um, while I'm waiting there, hoping to run into somebody that I knew, uh, this bus turns the corner, the corner with a police escort. I'm still standing behind the barrier, and the, these guys are getting off the bus and a gentleman named 50 cent walks off he's looking around just to look at the people and me him make eye contact and he says yo t to the motherfucking k you coming in the show i said yeah dog my kids are on the side can you wait here till i get my kids 50 cent waited while i went and got my children which took it like about five to me he waited yo until i brought my kids back and he walked in with me together Past the same motherfuckers, I'm screaming for cursing. Past the same motherfuckers who was hating on me from going in, and he took pictures with my kids. Um, I wound up walking down the ramp at um, um, Detroit Field, Ford Field in Detroit. Eminem on the left, Fifty Cent on the right. We're on MTV, walking down the ramp, and that led to me. That's when we was gonna try to start. Um, Vince was Fifty's going on tour. He's gonna do his own tour. But we didn't work out the numbers. And when they got to London, um, 50 called me and said, hey, I'm doing this video in London. Um, get on the first thing smoking. Got my ticket, flew me to London, Monaco, to be exact. Got off the plane, had a some guy looking like James Bond, had me in a Mercedes Benz. I'm, I'm reading the paper. They listening to the music. Like, I'm really playing the part. And I'm in the back seat with the seatbelt on, reading the paper. And when I get there, it's the window shopper video. So I get there at 7 in the morning. I land at 5. I get to the set at 7. And 50 and his team worked me for three days straight. That when I got done, it was time for me to go back on that motherfucking plane and leave. So I didn't get a chance really to see shit. So it was um, a great moment. He paid me a lot of money. And I was extremely thankful. But shout out to 50 Cent. Yeah. And Mace was at that video shoot, too, for Window Shopper. Who was? Mace was in the music video oh, yeah. for Mace that. Oh, yeah, Mace was there. Yeah, Mace was there. Sure was. You know, and, I, and, and, and to talk about hip-hop, it's just, 
a lot of people don't talk about it, but it's a shame what blacks do to each other. I hate what Puffy has done to the locks. I hate what he's done to Mace with their publishing because um, Puff is over there getting all this money off their publishing and these young kids are dying, you know, broke or they broke off their sweat and tears. And I think it should give them something, you know? I mean, it's just not fair, you know? And I wish that the um, the rappers would have read their contract. And all the way down to the Wu-Tang. The um, Wizard, whatever his name, I saw their documentary. Yeah. He did the same thing to those guys. Yeah, he did the same thing. And I, I, I lost respect for Wu-Tang when I saw that. That, that one of the guys is driving, he's a cab driver up there mm-hmm. in Long Island. And you know, they won't he won't give none of those guys their publishing. And nobody really talks about none no. of this stuff, you know? So uh, it's a shame how I always tell these young people, you gotta be a businessman. I'm a businessman, y'all. I'm a fucking play with it. I'm a businessman. And on that point too, family, I gotta get to the bank before they close. Yeah. But I would love to do Another interview with you soon because listen, you thorough player. I appreciate I like that. that. You have really done your homework, and really or not, right now you're one of my um, top interviewees that interview me because a lot of people don't do their homework the way you did your homework. Your homework, you did. I mean, you thorough. And I'm quite sure you got a couple more. So I'm gonna give you three more questions you want to ask me, and I'm out of here. Uh-huh. For sure. I, I think one of them should be 100 percent because we we talked about it on the phone. The, the Will Smith controversy and what he did at the Oscars okay. with Chris Rock. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a lot of levels to this stuff. You know, it's the, the, the human being part of you. You wish that it was fake. You wish it was somehow they come out and tell the world it was a joke and it was a publicity stuff just to get the ratings up. Um for the Oscars, but so many people affected so many ways. Um, then it's the side of you love Will Smith, you love Chris Rock, and you're torn between because you want to hate somebody in this situation. You want to hate someone, but you, I, to me personally, can't find myself to hate either one of them because no. I know Will. I know his boy that rocks with his manager's agent or uh, bodyguard that's been rocking with him since he started. I know Chris Rock and I don't know his brother. Then here's the street element of me. See, I've been in trouble before. Everybody I've known maybe had that one moment in life where they did something messed up to embarrass their family, embarrass a friend from Jesse Spullett to you name it. You All you got to do is watch the news every day. There's somebody that made a bad decision, a bad choice. And the reason why I say this, um, back when I had a situation with Puffy Combs back in 1998, it was a grand attempted grand larceny. It was over $280,000 worth of jewelry at the time. It hit the news. Social media wasn't as big as it is now. Mm-hmm. And it was a young basketball player at that time who was phenomenal. And he knew about the situation. He saw me in Atlanta. He said, yo, you okay? I'll never forget that. It was Shaquille O'Neal. And we was all at the same party because, um, who was it? Um, Keith Sweat owned a club in Atlanta at the time. We was all at this party. And um, Shaq said, are you okay? He didn't ask me questions. He didn't want to be nosy. He just said, okay. And I think that's what the world should do. 
instead of just milking a person's pain for your benefit. See, what everybody's doing now to be on the news, to be on different TV shows, they're going on to give their opinion. So in actuality, you are enjoying someone else's pain even though you're giving your opinion. And in actuality, people want to see you in pain. I truly feel, let's just wish these guys the best. Wish them well and stop harping on this because we know that I, I guarantee you Will Smith feels bad. I guarantee it. Chris Rock, so many things is going through his mind. I guarantee he's saying, well, maybe I should talk about people no more. Uh, but they, I know so many things. But at the end of the day, as a man, Chris has to live with this for the rest of his life, knowing that someone smacked him on national TV and you have daughters, right? And you take your daughters a certain way and nobody should touch you. And then the street side of me, if I didn't understand life, somebody would smack me on national TV. Nigga, I'd have cleared out the Oscars. I'd have came back like, this shooting in the motherfucking building. Everybody got to run for it. Or I'd have ran right behind um, Will Smith and kicked them in the back. But what I could honestly say to people is that Will Smith is truly the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Because when he smacked Chris Rock, he did it with style. It was an open hand. It was a suit jacket. And we smacked him. He actually tucked his vest down, like, you know, like the butler on... The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's my little humor um, to it. But there's no place for violence. Um, and to any grown person past nine years old, I'm going to put it like this. When you hit somebody, they got a place for you. This is what you know that they will lock your ass up. So you can play if you want to touch somebody and you get caught to the kids fighting in uh, uh, McDonald's, in the mall, on the plane. You all think it's a game until they put them handcuffs on your ass and you find out the charges is not no joke. It's how not a that, joke. How does that incident, you think, do you think it changes comedy in any sort of way just because of what Chris Rock about the Well, joke? everything changes, right? Everything changes. Because of that situation, there's somebody out here in America who is going to challenge comedians. There's someone out here in America that one day somebody will get shot on stage at a comedy club. That one smack changed the energy of the, of the energy in the comedy world. So we have to up the security at the comedy clubs because people are crazy today. And I knew eventually it was going, it was coming. I just didn't know it was going to come this way, but it's coming. It's eventually coming. So oh, yeah. everybody got to be prepared. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's right. Especially in these times with the cancel culture and safe space era. Mm-hmm. People can't take anything. But, yes, you know, it's unbelievable. And, you know, hopefully things get better soon. But I think it's going to be turning for the worst here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, besides your tours and everything, what do you have upcoming? Because I know you're already planning for 2023, 2024, 2025. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about everything. I'm, I'm going to do one movie. I'm about to retire soon. I'm excited Congratulations. about that. Yeah, um, but um, I'm going to stay consistent in the camera. i got something big happening. If I could pull it off, everybody will know about it. I believe in keeping things close to your heart before you make announcements. And um, just staying consistent, touring, because this is a great career. 
that I mean, I get paid to travel the world. That's some some fly shit. So um, next week I'm in um, Detroit, Michigan at Burton, um, Detroit. The week after I'm in Atlanta, the, the 14th or 17th in Atlanta at um, Atlanta Comedy Theater. Um, April 23rd, I'm in um, St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. Just follow me on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland. Kirkland so you can see it. And then the last week of April, I, I go from St. Thomas to London. So I'll be in London, not a damn Birmingham, um, Liverpool, um, Dubai, and then back here to the States. And then I, I think I got a week off the first week of May. And enjoy that time off. And, and just think about it, you're going to be in Connecticut, Funny Bone, Hartford. I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you reach out to my baby tickets for the show. And that's matter of fact, let's do a follow-up interview the week of that show. I would love to do that with you. And I could give you more time, too, as well. And we could promote the show and get the people out. That would be perfect. For sure. I would love that. I know you schedule things in advance. Do you want to schedule something right now for that week, if you want to? Yeah, just, put it to, um, just make it for that Wednesday. That Wednesday. Yep, that Wednesday. That'd be perfect. That Wednesday. Do you have a specific time? Um, that day? Just call me the day before. We'll set it up. Most likely it'll be in the afternoon, your time. Most likely I'll probably be on the East Coast. Okay, I mean, perfect. on the West Coast. I'll okay. probably be on the West Coast. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah I'll call you the day before then. I'll, I'll put it in my calendar now. We'll do another follow-up interview. I want to thank you for coming on here and wanting to do a follow-up interview with me. I appreciate that and all the gems. Oh, yeah, we dropped. could do one once a year. I'm down with you, player, because you do your work, so I like that. I appreciate that, C.K. Kirkland. Anything else? Is that it? That's all you have to drop? No, nah, to everybody in the world, may God bless you. Follow me on Instagram at T.K. underscore Kirkland. Uh, every podcast you do from this moment on, please always promote my handle, T.K. underscore Kirkland. I love it. I'm trying to get my numbers up just out of some OG shit. And um, to everybody else, may your pain be champagne. I hope you guys learned something today. I hope that you um, have found the better side of tea to the mother. Fucking okay. Wish you the best, family. I gotta run. You too. Enjoy your birthday too. Okay. Thank you, my man. Yeah. Peace out, man. Take care. Peace. Take care.